Hello world, RJ here with RJ Brown Photography and Do Work Incorporated. This is, I have the great opportunity to interview and speak with my, uh, what I call my business mentor. I had a creative mentor and a business mentor during my time at ULM and uh, during my collegiate career. And I'm just, just truly happy to just be present in her office, oh, her uh, conference room <laughs> to be exact, you guys, it's official. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm having the opportunity to record everything. So, you know, shout out to the growth. Uh, but none, I would like to introduce none other than Miss Jasmine McConnell. Thank you for having me. Nice. I'm excited to be here. Nice to have you as well. Uh, so tell the world, now that I introduced your name, tell the world who you are and what you got going on in your life. You know, that's really the hardest part for me because I really hate talking about myself. Absolutely hate it. I can see why. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, let's see. My name is Jasmine McConnell. I am an attorney practicing in Monroe, Louisiana. Mm -hmm. I am also a, a business owner of Cajun Title Agency, where I'm the closing attorney there. Yep. And I also own a venue, Chateau Rouge on the Bayou in Monroe, Louisiana. And I am an investor uh, uh, and owner of Graceland LLC. I also have my own private law practice of McConnell Law Group, and I'm a community activist, and um, above all, I am a wife and mother to my husband, Nicholas McConnell, and our two sons, Nicholas McConnell II and Jackson McConnell. That's my mentor, y'all. <laughs> like, <laughs> shout out to, it's an honor to know you first and foremost. Oh, man, uh, so just for a second, let's let's talk about how we met. Like, how, you, you wanna elaborate? Cause you, you was my client first. That's right, that's right. So a month before, okay, no. Yes, a month before we had my son, my oldest son, uh, who's eight now, we, uh, we're wanting to take pictures. We knew we were going to want to take pictures. So I started uh, looking online and started noticing that one of our fraternity brothers from ULM, um, which is where I attended school. I guess I left that off in the intro. It's cool. Yeah, I'm shout a out proud to proud alum yeah. of U uh, the University of Louisiana at Monroe. And uh, RJ was a student there during my time. Maybe you came either during that time or at, shortly after I graduated. Do you know the year? I, I graduated tell. 2010. Okay, so I came in 2009 and I was there until 2013 when I graduated. Yeah, so right. I noticed you um, around campus taking mm -hmm. pictures. Awesome. And um, I'm always one that likes to invest back into my community, but I love investing into family and family is ULM and by you being an alpha and me being an AKA, yeah. it just made sense to patronize family. Absolutely. And so I said, oh, we have a young man that's taking pictures. Let me call him and see if he'll come take our family photos. And so once my son was born, you came to my home and took some in-home um, photos. And from there, you have been primarily our photographer videographer you've documented all special moments 
I have. I, I, of listen. our lives uh, since our kids have been born. Yes, and to see the see the growth in those boys, man. I mean, it's just truly remarkable because they. To I, I got one photo of Jackson of Nick holding him in his hand to see how he is now, man. It's oh just, my God, Nick is almost taller than me now. What? Yes, he's almost okay. taller than me now. Um, man, growth spurts. Yes, yes. It's crazy. So. Being that you juggle so many different businesses and your family, what are some difficulties that you, you might have on a day-to-day -day basis? I would say um, I'm a one-woman show, and that is often a difficult task to carry. And there are times that I have to learn how to ebb and flow mm. and respect the ebb and flow of success and business. Mm -hmm. And as I have um, grown as an entrepreneur, as a wife, as a mother, I've had to learn how to balance um, being a part of the community and very active in the community, being an entrepreneur, and being a mother and wife. And so, and then also just being me, uh, Jasmine. Mm -hmm. And now I have learned how to cut, have cut off times. I've learned how to schedule my time and I've learned how to schedule time for my family. Absolutely. And so uh, I think that was the biggest struggle for me at first, but I've, I've learned how to manage it. So what are some of the rewards of being an entrepreneur and working for yourself? Oh, freedom. And so, do you mind if I tell a story? Sure. You know, as an entrepreneur, we are, um, we're always looking and working and grinding and hustling and making sure that our business is straight because we wanna make sure, especially when you have a family at home, you wanna make sure that you are able to meet the level of income that you had when you had a job mm -hmm. and eight to five. Yeah. And so you don't want your family to suffer from there. So you're always making sure that that's covered. But um, now I have, and it wasn't until recently that my husband told me, it wasn't until Jackson got sick or we thought he was sick. He had a little cold but we had to take off. Oh, well, we had to take him to the doctor to get tested, right. make sure he didn't have COVID or any of those other Correct. Um, Correct. things going on. And so we took him to, we were going to take him to the doctor and I told my husband, hey, somebody needs to take Jackson to the doctor. Mm -hmm. And my husband said, oh, okay, well, let me know how that goes. Mm -hmm. Now my husband is an assistant principal. Right. And so I felt slighted and offended when he said, let me know how that goes. Because I thought that the response should have been, okay, well, do you want to take him or should I take him? Right. And he never offered to take him. <laughs> right. And okay. so I was very offended. And I remember telling him afterwards, like, you didn't even offer to take him. And he said, Jasmine, that's what you worked so hard for. That's why you wanted to be an entrepreneur so that you could set your own schedule. And it wasn't until then that I realized that I had finally reached the point in my life where I have freedom and flexibility, which is what we work so hard for. That is true. One of the benefits of being yeah. an entrepreneur is being able to set your own schedule. And so 
when the need came for us to take off and say, okay, well, let's make sure that our child doesn't have COVID, mm -hmm. I immediately was like, okay, well, yeah, I'll, after he didn't offer, I was like, all right, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> and so I got to spend the whole day with Jackson. I took him to get tested. It came back negative, but you know, he had a cold, so we just kept him at home. Right. But it was at that moment that I realized that I had reached that point in my life where if I didn't go into work, my office still functioned. Wow. If that realization. It was then <laughs> that I realized that, hold on, wait a minute, Jazz. You've gotten to the point where you can. Oh, something to think about. Yeah, yeah where mm -hmm. you can have the freedom mm -hmm. that you've always wanted, where you can have the flexibility. Mm -hmm. And whatever you had on the schedule that day, it's mm -hmm. just simply, okay, I need to reschedule because I have to take my son to the doctor. And that's You're the it. Boss. I'm the boss. <laughs> I don't have to put in the timesheet. That is, that is, the, so, yeah. yeah. That is yeah. a great story to share. Yeah, and it puts was... us to a lot of perspective because I think a lot of times, you know, we get so caught up in, I got to do this, I got to do that. I'm the, like you say, I'm the person in charge. Where did you see that transition for you saying, okay, I got to let off and give some of that responsibility, delegate some of that responsibility to someone else? Well, one of the things about being an entrepreneur is finding good help. Sure. And so gotcha. um, it wasn't until then that I realized, and I had always been working to get uh, a stable person in my office, to get stable health that could make sure that if emails came in, phone calls were made, that you could respond and mm -hmm. you could get people what they needed, that my office would function if I was not here. And um, it really wasn't until then that I realized that I could let off a little. Uh, last year, no, this year we took a vacation and I had a closing schedule, several closings actually scheduled during vacation. Wow. And I'm nervous, uh -huh. okay? It's I'm like, nervous because yeah. I'm not here and I'm the closing attorney. I have to make sure all the documents are good. Mm -hmm. I, I have to do this, I have to do that. and. I called into my staff and I was like, okay, you guys, we have these scheduled, these things scheduled. And they said, oh, we got it. And I was like, well, who's going to notarize the documents? It's like, oh, we've already scheduled the notary to come in and make sure that they go over the documents and uh, we've printed out everything. And so at that point, I sat back and realized once again, oh, okay, I don't have to push as hard. I don't have to... I don't have to physically be there. Yeah. Yes, I can take a breath <laughs> and it'll be okay. Yeah. Uh, and so once you get to that point, it's just like a whole new level of just Relief. enjoying entrepre entrepreneurship. Yeah. So prior to that point in your life, how can you elaborate a little bit more about how entrepreneurship took a toll on your mental health? Um, my day-to-day -day job when I was a prosecutor, I knew what to expect. I knew what I was getting into, and yeah, it was a little stressful, but I mean, I knew how to move and groove in that um, position. As an entrepreneur, um, I had a lot of stress in trying to maintain 
and to be the best that I could be at the stage that I was in. And so when I first came on the scene as the only black closing attorney in my area, I knew that there was gonna be a level of expectation that I had to meet and exceed. Because if everybody else is functioning at a 10 and they've been in business for 20 years, I knew that people were gonna expect me to be not only at my competitor's 10, but I'd have to be at a 20. I had to go over and above. Um, every step of the way could not make mistakes mm-hmm. even if they were the same as my competitors mm-hmm. I was still expecting that to light was going to be shined on you a little bit more just a little harder and a yeah. little bit more yeah. and so it was very very stressful many nights I'm up at the crack of dawn late nights early mornings trying to make sure that I was hitting every target that I could at the level that I was at and um, it was very stressful, very, very stressful. And that's when I really started to realize what anxiety was. Mm. And I had to really learn how to be in tune with my body and be in tune with the feelings that I was feeling mm-hmm. at different functions and stages. Absolutely. And so um, I, once I was able to identify that one, I'm dealing with anxiety, to what does this mean for me? What do I do? How do I deal with this? Um, and I started figuring it out. I started, okay, when I feel this emotion, let me get up and take a walk or drive and clear my mind. Let me just step away from it. Because at that point, I'm no good to no one. Right. If you sneeze, I'm annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> and so that yeah. would only set back my staff who are doing what they can do and you know so I started just removing myself from the situation so that I would be able to continue to have a productive office continue to be productive in my um, role as a closing attorney as a businesswoman as a wife because often we give everything we have at the office and by the time we make it home we have nothing left and that's not fair to my family uh, who's who's the primary person or people that you are working so hard for. Um, And so once I started figuring that out, I started carving in my me time. I started carving in um, taking lunches by myself, uh, going to eat by myself, going to just have space where I could just be jazz. And that has helped tremendously. Even when I'm at home and I'm just kind of in my own world or I'm feeling some kind of way, I'll go ahead and tell my husband, I'm annoyed. So I put him on notice, like, mm-hmm. if I'm annoyed and, you know, and, and kind of snappy, just give me a second, because... Mm-hmm. Be delicate. I'm, yeah. <laughs> give me at grace. Your, at, your, at your own risk. <laughs> <laughs> give me grace, okay? Right. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah... You know, just just understanding yourself, I think, has been the biggest thing for mm-hmm. my mental health um, that I've I've been able to do. Hi, if you're interested in being part of our podcast, please visit us on Facebook at Do Work Inc. D O W U R K. All right, so we're back. Had to intervene. We got Nick in the background. Shout out to Nick. My good love charm. Yes, the husband is in the building. The kids are in the back. Life is good. 
on homecoming Saturday weekend at ULM, well, Monroe for ULM. So, tell me, tell me about your experience at ULM. Oh, man. Where do I begin? So let me first start off by saying that as a young child, I used to fly into Monroe Airport all the time. Wow, okay. Before they started doing all of the renovations and all of that, and mm -hmm. I used to drive by ULM and think I would never go there, ever. Like there was nothing about the institution that made me want to go there. Mm -hmm. Um, That's cool. So we're entering into my senior year in college, me in high school, and I had the thought that I wanted to go to either Howard or Bethune-Cookman. Um, I was inspired by those because Bethune-Cookman is where my band director graduated from, and we had okay. gone down, did some field shows there, band competitions, and so I was like, oh, I like this school, so I may apply there and I may apply to Howard. And my mom said, Jazz, why don't you go back to Monroe? And I thought, uh, okay. And she said, you know, after four years of, of college, who knows where you'll be in the world. So go back to uh, Monroe and spend time with your family, uh, build a relationship with your dad, and, and, and then after that, go off and see the world. And so I thought, okay, and the relationship that my mother and I had is that if she said something, I usually did it because I realized that I could get more out of her if I did what she said right. than I could if I didn't do what she said. Gotcha. And so I applied to ULM, and ULM showed out with scholarships. They waived my out-of-state fees because my mother was a graduate of ULM or NLU. And I had academic scholarship, band scholarship. I pretty much attended the entire the entire four years uh, free wow. after everything shook out. Um, so my freshman year, I enrolled and I'm a nursing school, nursing major, first day nursing major. I go to my first class, which is a biology class, and I leave out of there realizing that that is not the life for me. Okay. So <laughs> I called my mom up and I'm like, mom, this is not it. This is not gonna work. Mm -hmm. And so she said, well, why not psychology? So I go into psychology. But by my sophomore year, I got tired of falling asleep in class and realizing that that's just simply not where I wanna be either. Mm -hmm. So then I call my mom up again and I'm walking outside of the uh, hub and I'm like, Mom, this is not going to work. And she said, well, you like to argue. Why don't you go to school to be a lawyer and um, major in political science? Wow. That okay. was on a Wednesday. I remember this day very vividly. Mm -hmm. So that Wednesday, I changed my major. It was my sophomore year. I changed it from psychology to political science. The following Saturday, we had to have, we being my um, undergraduate chapter, because by then I pledged AKA, and so they made us have a joint meeting with the grad chapter, Theta Phi Omega. Okay. And so we're sitting in this restaurant, it's not even there anymore, but we're sitting in this restaurant, and they make us all go around the room and stand up and introduce ourselves in our majors. And so I do that and I say I'm a political science major 
And one of the graduate stars, Eva Diane Wilson, I will never forget her. Mm -hmm. She says, oh, we just had a soror to be elected as a state representative. Okay. You should do an internship with her. And I thought, okay, I don't know anything about politics, but okay. Mm -hmm. And so um, I called Rosalind and uh, Rosalind is the person that was elected and she says, okay, well, when I get back to town, I'm gonna sit down, talk to you, come to the office. And from there, I didn't realize that the trajectory of my life had changed. Wow. And from there, I told Rosalind, I said, Rosalind, I don't know anything about politics, but if you teach me, I'll stick with you to the end. And so I interned with her my sophomore year, my junior year, and my senior year. And each summer of those years, she would send me to different locations. So the summer of my sophomore, or going into my junior year, she took me down to Baton Rouge and I worked at the Capitol. And then the summer of my uh, junior year, going into my senior year, she sends me to Washington, D.C. And by then I had become the college, uh, the president of the College Democrats okay. on ULM's campus. Wow. And so the university did this right up of me and the whole nine, my mom came up, did the tour, stayed with me. And going into my senior year, actually around this time, every year is a really delicate situation for me because that's when my mother was killed in a car wreck. Okay. She had come home um, for homecoming. Our undergrad chapter was doing a big reunion that year. And so I'd asked her to come home because she had pledged the same undergrad chapter as I did. Okay. And so I was like, oh, you guys come home. Your line sisters are coming home. Everybody's going to be here. It's going to be great. So she comes home and she stays with me on campus. By then I was an RA, but she stays with me on campus. And the Sunday that she's set to leave, um, I remember kissing her and telling her I love her, the whole nine. And she said, do you have your camera? And I'm like, well, I, I don't, I'm sure I do somewhere. And um, she says, and she kept texting me about that. Well, that Sunday we were having Rush. And so all of the ladies that were applying to be a member of our chapter mm -hmm. um, came to do interviews. And we were at a hotel in West Okay. And so she comes, I mean, they come and we're, our phones are put up and we're paying attention to the interviewees. And I remember my dad coming in, or someone coming in, no, it was my mother's mom's sister, they came in and got me and said, you need to take this phone call. And that's when I realized that my mother had been killed in a car wreck. Okay. The amount of love and support that I received from my professors, from my chapter sisters, from my graduate sisters, it was just unmatched. And, um, even the person that I was interning with at that time, I started staying with her okay. uh, just to kind of give myself a breather. She, she gave me two weeks and she said, all right, sunshine, it's time to go back. You gotta finish. And so I'm thinking, my senior year in college and I have just faced the biggest hurdle of my life. Right. Um, but it was just at that point, sink or sink. Swim, sink or swim and something in my mind clicked 
And I knew from that moment on, I had to, I had to do it. I had to swim. And so, um, ULM will forever be a place that I will pour love and support into because they pour love and support into me during one of the most pivotal and trying times of my life. And um, even now, the professors, they still recognize me. This last year, I was recognized as uh, the first honoree of the College of Business. Um, and so I was, I was really surprised, but they still show up to me. That's what's up. And so in return, I am going to forever sing you up in praise. I will forever do whatever I can to make sure that that institution has all the support that they can have. Good deal. With receiving so much support, could you tell me the power of like unity or community? Oh, it's big. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and that's at some point I started to label myself as a community activist because I fought and still fight so many battles on behalf of the black community here in Monroe. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that I fight as an individual is by placing myself in positions and organizations that will further our community and our interests. Mm -hmm. And so, um, even my position as a vice president of the Monroe Chamber, which has been in existence for 100 years, mm -hmm. this year was the first year that they've ever had a diversity committee. Mm -hmm. And when I was asked to join that committee, even join the chamber, let's start with joining the chamber, I'm not joining the chamber, even as a business owner. I don't want to join the chamber because the chamber does not reflect the business community or the community at large here in Monroe, which is 60% black. I've been there, done that in Hammond. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. And so I said, I have no reason to join the chamber. Mm -hmm. Well, this year we got a new, well, last year we had a new executive director that came in and said, well, Jasmine, you can't complain and not join the change. And I said, you're absolutely right. So he said, come be a part of the change. And I said, Okay, so I joined the chamber. <laughs> and once again, I don't broadcast, but as I said at the beginning, I hate talking about myself. And I, I suck at social media because I don't like to post a lot of the things that I do or a lot of the battles that I fight because they're, they're a lot of them fall at the table or behind closed doors because mm -hmm. I'm always going to war. Yeah, but, yeah, I understand. Um, what I started to realize is that it takes an individual that's willing to sit across the table from someone that may not share like interests or, con or experiences. But we can sit at the table, have a disagreement, and at some point reach a compromise or an agreement to where we can further our interests. And being a community activist has allowed me to do that. Being in positions and just speaking out and speaking out has allowed me to do that. When I was at the DA's office, I sat on our Southside Economic Development District Board. That was the only position that I had, but I was at the DA's office, so I didn't really feel like that I could speak up and speak out as much as I should or could do. Mm -hmm. And it took me being an entrepreneur, which is once again one of those benefits that at the end of the day, it is it is my efforts that bring in my dollars. It is my efforts and my relationships with people 
in my community, they keep my doors open. And so having those relationships, people patronize me, not because I am the top tier, which I would love to believe, but I'm a realist. I, I may not be the top tier, I may not have been around the longest, but because of the relationship that we have forged, they continue to patronize my business. And so um, being able to advocate on their behalf, being able to advocate on businesses that don't even use me. Um, but if they succeed, especially in a small community like Monroe, if they succeed, we succeed as a whole. Mm. And putting them in a position to be successful and keep their doors open is what I have the greatest interest in doing. Absolutely. Um, because we don't work hard, especially as an entrepreneur, for our kids to want to leave the community that we pour so much into and that we've laid such a foundation on. Um, as I mentioned in my intro, being a community or being an investor, I'm building things and, and, and laying foundations here. I don't want my kids in 10, 20 years want to leave my community. I've, I've laid a foundation for you. Right. I don't want you to leave. And that's crazy that you think of it that way. And a lot of us don't take that initiative to say, hey, this is where I'm at. It's up to me to actually be that change. And then we wonder why nobody wants to stay here. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I go, I often say this phrase, bloom where you're planted. Hmm. And I'm planted here in Monroe. I could be planted anywhere in the world, but I'm here in Monroe. And so it is my job to bloom where I am planted. I have no desire to die and not have nothing to show for it. And so being able to, once again, have a footprint here that my children can look at and say, this is what my parents worked so hard to make for us and respect that. When we go look at property, our investment properties, when we're doing different things, my children, Already there, like we're going to ULM. Now my husband, who graduated from Grambling, he's a little testy about that. But uh, okay. <laughs> on my behalf, it does give me great pride for my children to recognize the importance of our university, to recognize the importance of the connection that their family has to the university, right. and to recognize the, the staples that we're trying to do here um, and build here. So. Um, it, it's all a, it's all a revolving circle. It all connects. Right. Having family here, connecting to the community, connecting to your institution, which brings people here, which can help our workforce and help economic development and help our community grow. I tell people all the time that our community is a reflection of our citizens. We elect our elected officials. We speak. And, and create the narrative for our community. If they say Monroe sucks, well, that's because we haven't done our part as citizens. If we say Monroe is this or lacks that, that's because we haven't done our part as citizens. We have to do our part as citizens in order to help our community grow and help other people want to stay in our community. So I don't know if I answered your question. You, you, you definitely did. And just to elaborate a little bit more on taking that initiative, what do you feel is like the biggest struggle for our community to take that initiative? Why do you see us struggling so often? Because we don't understand the importance of getting involved. Okay. And here's what I have learned. We do not involve ourselves in politics. 
Yeah, that's true. And the most instrumental time to get involved in politics is during the campaign season. Okay. And okay. which is what, yeah, which, which we are now, right? We're going to be edging into it. Yeah. Soon. Yeah. But, and I'm not talking about on a nationwide level, picking the president and all of that. Right. I'm talking about local politics where mm -hmm. we pick our city council, where we pick our mayor, mm -hmm. our, our police juror, judge, and all the that. Judges, yeah. the district attorney, who is arguably one of the most powerful people in our community. Yeah. Getting involved in those campaigns where you have the opportunity to one, build the relationship shape the narrative, shape their campaign platform, that's where the difference is made. Mm. That's where the relationships are built. That's where the trust is built. Mm. It's during the campaign season because you're putting in the legwork there. You're raising your concerns there when they are shaping their platform yeah. to to go out into the community and tell them Because those are where them promises are made, right? That's right. That's <laughs> where the promises are made. Yeah. And so we want to make sure that our community and our concerns are heard. Mm -hmm. You get involved in the campaign. Right. You build the relationship there. Makes it's sense. not once they're elected, because once they're elected, everybody wants to get on the train. Everybody wants to call them the baby. Everybody wants and to And by that time, they're usually bought, But too. by then... <laughs> they already picked their time. It's, it's already... Everybody <laughs> wants them. Yeah. But when you put in the legwork, it's like with anything else. Mm -hmm. When you put in the legwork in the beginning phases... Right. Then you have the ability, once they're elected, to call and say, hey, look, this is what we're lacking here, and this is what is needed here. Mm -hmm. Don't forget who helped us get you, you in you the are office, right? And keep you there. That's good. That is good. So, man, we got to do the work. You got to do the work. <laughs> and it's not even just a matter of monetary things, right? Because they have people that's writing checks at all times. Okay, yeah. But if you're able to do the footwork, if you're able to knock doors, make phone calls, go with them to different events and help them to spread their message, you are then gaining their trust and their respect. You're helping them on the ground level. Get involved on the ground level. Mm -hmm. That's good. I've known you how long? And just to see the, like when you, I'm the type of person, that I'm, when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Yeah. But you're the type of person, when you're going to do it and you're going to do it with class. <laughs> yeah, like really, like this, this, this location for one is just amazing. When did you get, when did you inherit this? <laughs> well, let me say this. Okay. Remember I mentioned that you have to do the best that you can at the stage that you're at. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so when I first started Cajun Title, I was at ULM Small Business Incubator. I do remember. I had an office there. Okay. Because that's what I could afford at right. that time. Mm -hmm. And so I, once again, I continuously strive to put my best foot forward at that phase that I was in. And what I realized was that my competitors had brick and mortar. And so when people would pull up to their doors to go sign documents to buy a house, they pulled up to brick and mortar. Well, when you pull up to ULM, you're at a campus. Mm -hmm. And so I started to notice that, okay, I might need to change a little bit and, and pull up to brick and mortar. I was also simultaneously starting Cajun Title and building my venue. 
renovating my my venue. Once we finished that, I moved Cajun Title to my venue. Mm -hmm. Once again, utilizing what I had in at the stage that Making I had it and putting my best foot forward. Mm -hmm. Well, my venue was a little out the way and it's ducked off, and so. I started noticing that those who were consistently using me, the feedback that I received was that you're hard to find. So I mentioned to my, actually she's a competitor, but she's one of my closest friends. Uh, I mentioned to her that I needed a space in town, centrally located, that people could easily find. And she said, oh, well, my husband has this office space that he's getting ready to lease out. Why don't you go over there? Well, I moved there, it was a small building, but I knew once I moved in that I wouldn't be there forever. Right. I knew that wasn't my favorite point. I didn't decorate it as my favorite point. I just treated it like it was a, 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 space. a, a transition space. Right. Mm -hmm. okay. And I had mentioned to another realtor that I was looking for a space that I could grow and expand if I needed to, but I wanted the entire building and I wanted to be able to um, to just have space to move. I knew I needed a space for my kids. Mm -hmm. So I wanted just a little room that I could have with TV, um, talk about refrigerator, <laughs> couch that lets out into a bed if need be. I wanted just a space that they could come and be here if, that, if I needed them to. Smart. Always, yeah. Always work. Mother first. Yeah. Right? And, and, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I absolutely. got to make sure that I keep them in mind as I do things. So. A realtor friend of mine, who's a good friend of mine, said, oh, there's this building that's become available and it's renovated. All you have to do is move in. And so we negotiated everything and I came in and here we are. It's beautiful. It's good. So um, we talked a little bit more about your time as a, as a uh, DA. Um, what about real estate? Could you, could you talk about that journey? I can. So we're in college, mm -hmm. okay, and like all college students, I want to move off campus. Okay, yeah. So I tell my mother, I want to move off campus. Let's let me move off campus. Even though I was an RA, so I had room and board for free. Right. My mother says, "Okay, well, Jazz, I'm gonna buy you a duplex. You uh, stay on wow. one side, and you can rent out the other side." Smart move. Smart mind. Never did it. Oh, what? But that was okay. First encounter that I really had with investment. I got you. Okay, because I had never heard that. My mother owned her own home. My aunt owned her own home, but we're from a small town, right. uh, Farmerville, Union Parish. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because my grandmother didn't own their property, but they named the street later after my grandfather, wow. even though they never owned the property. Okay. Interesting, right? Yeah. Okay. Cloud. Okay. <laughs> they, years, but they never owned the property. Gotcha. And so once my mother um, died and I received this money and I thought to myself, I don't want to be five years down the line and I have anything to show for her death. Gotcha. And so I buy a house. Well, no. Yes, I buy a house. I buy a house because in my mind I thought that's what white people do <laughs> and I'm going to do that right and I know equity <laughs> I, I, I didn't I didn't understand stock market yeah I didn't and I didn't want to trust someone to play with my money 
So I bought a house. That's real. And Security. I thought to myself that if nothing else, I could always borrow against it, rent it out, mm -hmm. sell it, whatever. I have options. Right. I'm not just tied in. And so to keep myself from spending unnecessarily because money cometh and money goeth. Facts. Yes, indeed. And so <laughs> I tied it up. I got gotcha. you. That was my way to tie it up. I started buying property. Good. I didn't know anything about investments uh, and, and none of that. But I just knew I had to tie it up so I couldn't just spend. Right. And so I do that and I started researching more and more. And I went to Bigger Pockets, this website. I stumbled across it. Go to Bigger Pockets, and by then Nick and I have, um, we were dating, and we had bought a house, and I said, Nick, we need to expand. I kept saying we needed to expand, I kept learning all this information, and Nick was like, no. <laughs> slow, slow your road. We're not going to do that. Yeah. No, that's not the way to go. You took that faith though, right? Well... It took a situation from the DA's office okay. to um, get him to expand. Mm -hmm. And so what I started learning then, what, well, the situation at the DA's office was that my supervisor tried to get me fired. Oh, wow. And our boss was like, you can't do this without her. You need her. Fact. Jasmine, go back to your office. Right. But that situation then taught me that I will never ever allow my livelihood to be determined upon one person. Mm. And so I remember walking out of that meeting, calling Nick and telling him, we need to grow. I want to match my income with real estate. And so he said, okay, what do we need to do? And I'm like, okay, let me start figuring out, put some things in place. I had a whole whiteboard telling him how this thing was going to go, explaining to him how we were going to expand. And then the flood of 2016 hits. Mm -hmm. And we used that time to leverage the properties that we had. And that's when I really started to understand the power of leverage. Mm -hmm. And not just real estate, but in life, period. Gotcha. But at that point, I leveraged what we had to expand our business mm -hmm. and buy more real estate. And uh, from there, it's just been, as an investor, learning more, because now I help other investors. Mm -hmm. And then I, I was a realtor, once I graduated law school, I always had an interest in real estate. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to be a realtor, but because my mom told me to go to law school, I went to law school. You went in a I different direction. Thinking, I'd rather have the degree and not need it than to need it and not have it. Right. So my law degree was more like, okay, I'm going to do this, but my heart is in real estate. Mm. Um, so I go and get my real estate license 30 days after I graduate law school. Wow. Yeah, I was like, yeah. we've been doing it. Why waste time? Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, then I started realizing that I am not meant to be an agent. <laughs> so, but I learned a lot of things going through that process. It absolutely. strengthened my understanding of real estate. Sometimes you got to go through it to get that open, the bigger picture. I have, I have the knowledge. Gotcha. Once you have it, no one can take it away from you. At all. So I have this knowledge of now as an investor and as an agent. And I kept telling myself, well, if you, if you can help someone find a house, 
why not be able to close on it as an attorney? Mm. And um, I remember sitting at my desk after leaving court one day and I thought to myself, why haven't you started your title company? And then I thought, well, there's no reason why you haven't started your title company. You just need to do it. You're the reason you haven't done it. You haven't done it. Wow. And then I started putting the place pieces into, you know, something about a Wednesday because that was a Wednesday. Someday, <laughs> man. <laughs> and I remember putting the pieces in place and doing what I had to do to start my title company. Wow. So. And it's funny because I remember you hit me up saying I need a logo. I, and this this is the logo. This is, it blows my mind. Well, <laughs> you upgraded that logo for sure. <laughs> I remember, boy, Google. Shout out to Google for the images, man. You say you wanted a key. I remember. I remember that whole conversation. We said you were still at the old house at the time. I was. Oh my God, Lakeshore. That is so crazy. Yeah, yeah. That is so crazy. I'm a part of the. I'm part of the story. That's it. That's wow. <laughs> Nick in the background, yeah, that's 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 how it went down. Okay, so as real estate, we talked about the uh, your district attorney. You got your law degree. Talk about your law degree for those who are going to law school and you know got to take the um, the uh, bar. I would say that law school was a blur for me. <laughs> okay. It really was. It was the first time in my life that I realized that C's and D's get degrees too. <laughs> Got a girl to count. Uh, yeah. My first year, I was on academic probation, um, but I think it was just because I, again, I'm coming off the cuffs of losing my mother, who right. was my entire world, mm -hmm. and trying to navigate through the waters, and so I cut my hair down. Rocking the afro, a very mini afro. But I, I think, was just trying to figure not, life. Not to cut you but is that how your f hair was when you had the photo with Barack right. the, the Obamas? That's right. That's crazy. She met the Obamas, by the way, so you know how good she is. <laughs> just throwing it out there. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so I I remember um, I remember my first year of law school just being a blur. I studied abroad in the summer. Of my first year, going into my second year, it was a really good experience. Mm -hmm. But I think I was more focused on just trying to make it through. Absolutely. Trying to get through it. Mm -hmm. Around. Kind of an autopilot. Yeah, I was on autopilot. Mm -hmm. Really, I never made C's and D's at all in life, and it was just one of those times that I was like, mm -hmm. I just got to get through. Mm -hmm. I just got to. Gotta keep pushing. Sometimes it doesn't like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Now that I look back on it, even now I have to respect my mind. Mm. And what I mean by that is that there are times that my mind just shifts off. It just goes off. It's mm. like I'm tired. I've been pumping and, and pushing. But then there are times where it just wants to rest. And I have to respect that as well. And so during those times, I just simply coast and maintain. I focus on maintaining what I have at that time. And it correlates to success. Success is ebb and flow. No one is on 100%, 124 hours a day, seven days a week. No one is. Yeah, we're not Your robots. can't be the same. And so respecting that, respecting the fact that sometimes you just have to let it rest and just maintain. Hey, clear your mind. You just gotta let it you just mm -hmm. maintain. Mm -hmm. But then when it's on, <laughs> it's on. 
It's yeah. on, it's hitting on, it's firing on all cylinders. Absolutely. And that's when I'm, I'm making the moves. Yeah, <laughs> get out the way. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm rocking. Beware. When Facts. It's on. Facts. Okay. So cool. Um, thank you for just taking that time to kind of just dive into you know your your personal journey uh i'm gonna tailor these questions based off kind of because you're you know you're a little bit different than the regular entrepreneur you know what i'm saying so well you're not but you've been in the game quite a time and you've sucked, soaked up a lot of knowledge so you you know how to it's kind of like that compound interest you you know what i'm saying you learn in different seasons in your life and so now you can compress all that information and knowledge and you can just make moves that others can't because they just don't have the knowledge and the understanding of it you see what i'm saying so with that do you find it very important for an entrepreneur starting off to just have a platform to where they can receive those resources and information and training Yes, because there are resources out there. Mm -hmm. But I find that, like with school, in school you learn theory, mm. you learn theology. Come on now, okay, break it down. But the practice and application of those things, that's experience. And so, having resources and utilizing those resources to learn from is absolutely necessary, mm -hmm. absolutely. But the true lessons come from experience and come from application of those lessons that you learn. And I have found that, um, again, school gives you the foundation of it, it gives you that, that knowledge, but it's when you get out there and start trying to apply things, is when you really learn how to make things work for you. So we have resources like the Small Business um, Development Center. Yes, they mm -hmm. they will walk you from A to Z on business. They're good. I agree with that, and I was actually afraid. And even when we we met, he was telling me why you just won't go to them, and you know. I guess in a sense, I, I in my mindset, I wasn't prepared enough to actually walk through their doors. But that's a that's a limitation that I placed on myself. So let's talk about some of our own limitations that we allow ourselves to prevent success from taking place. Okay. Is, have there ever been times where you felt like you got in your own way? Well, I know there have been, but would you like to elaborate? Mm -hmm. All of the time. Um, but I think our biggest thing is a fear of rejection. Mm. And I think I agree. life has taught me that all you need is one yes. That's it. In anything, all you need is one yes. You don't have to have a million yeses. You just need one. Mm -hmm. And we are afraid that once we get the first rejection, or that we're going to get a rejection, and then we switch off. For me, it's a challenge. Because all I need is one yes, and I keep going until I get one yes. When I started my title company, I called a million underwriters because as a title agent you have to have an insurance company that would allow you to write title insurance on behalf of them and so I received a lot of those but 
But I kept telling myself, all I need is one yes. And I kept going until I got the one yes. And investments, when you're financial sub, when you buy real estate, they want to know everything. They want to know your firstborn, your blood type, and everything else. And once again, the first bank may say no. All you need is one yes. You keep going until you get the one yes. The one person that will believe in you. All I need is one. So everything that I do, any rejection that I face, I, I challenge myself to continue to push until I get that one yes that I need. Cool. That's a good point. Actually, just be on the same feed. I'm a genius. I'm gonna just state that because it takes a lot of experience myself to be able to be at this point in my career to be filming a interview style, documentary style, podcast style, cool creative setup style, branding. You know, just everything just matters. Yeah, I'm really proud of you. I appreciate it. You never gave up. And I think that's a good point we can start. I'm really, really proud of you. Because you remember the day. I do remember the day that your equipment got stolen. Oh. I remember that day and my heart was so broken for you. We were in our old house and you came in and broke down on our kitchen floor. It was just, it was. And the only thought I could have was, okay, how can we help him get it back? How can we help him get back to where he was mm -hmm. and I was like what do you need and you know from there it's just hustle and, and and a lot of help a lot of help because even the first time it happened in 2012 I had the help of the university so kind of similar and I granted my mother didn't pass so I'm not trying to equate that to your situation but it was just that support level that I was able to regain from just my time on ULM's campus and just making those connections, working for like the department of uh, uh, VAPA, pretty much of uh, visual uh, arts and visual and performing arts. Uh, all I have to say is just, I'm thankful for that, the, and my fraternity, I'm thankful, for, uh, shout out to that frat, shout out to all Divine Nine, all the Greeks, because I think even that community alone itself, let's, let's talk about that. Do, how do you feel like Greek life played a part in your, your I guess, your reach and your influence on, on campus or off campus and after college? Well, I mean, pledging definitely took a different, took my life on a totally different trajectory. Mm -hmm. Because as I mentioned, that's how I got my internship. Correct, okay. My, my joint meeting with the grad chapter. Right. And I tell people all the time, I don't care what you pledge, pledge something. Mm -hmm and then connect with the grad chapter because that is where you're able to get the, the, the hand up, not hand out, but a hand up to help you reach wherever you're trying to be. When you are, whatever field you're in, more likely than not, there's someone in the grad chapter that's also in that same profession that can also connect you to someone or a job or an opportunity 
that will help you elevate in your career. And um, I, I just, I'm a big, big push. I don't care what you pledge. Pledge something because it does enhance your overall experience. Mm -hmm. But more than that, it gives you an opportunity to connect into and plug into a, a, a world of opportunities that you wouldn't have ordinarily gained um, and had to work so hard for in other avenues. And it's crazy that you mentioned that because, again, your influence on me from being a client to then being a mentor to just being family, it you know, that came along because of me pledging Alpha Phi Alpha, you know, and then, and I guess people don't understand the value of that alone because it gets so caught up in, you know, just the college life and just going to party or just, you know, being active or just aware and seen on campus but the the brotherhood the sisterhood that's actually developed and then you know it's it's, it's almost like and I, I ran into one of my line brothers at the the uh the step show last night and it was just like that's always gonna be my brother but he's no no blood of mine at all <laughs> you know what i'm saying so it's just it's, it's nothing like that and i think it definitely made me appreciate college and value college a lot more because of those connections. Absolutely. Last year, <laughs> last year I went to our homecoming parade. I mean, our homecoming tailgating area. Mm -hmm. and the Grove. At the Grove. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I remember sitting there and you had the graduate chapter members and just older sores period on one side and you had the undergrad on another side. Now we're under the same tent, but there is no mixing. Hmm. And I remember before I left, I called the undergrad Soros together and I went completely off. <laughs> I did, I went smack off because one, no one said anything and no one brought to their attention the fact that you're an undergrad. And here you have at your fingertips so many resources that can help you, that can elevate you in whatever profession that you're in, and you won't even walk up and say hello. Hmm. You won't even walk up and say, Hey Soror, my name is such and such, how are you? You're in your you're in your circle. And you know that correlates to life period. Mm -hmm. We often stick in our comfort zone yeah. and we won't step outside of our comfort zone Absolutely. to go where we need to go yeah. and to connect with those who can help us. But I, I went smack off about it. In my circle alone, I have several sores that I'm very close to that I talk to several times of the day. One is a chiropractor that owns her own clinic, owns her own office of practice does her own thing. But if you're in ULM and you're in rad tech and or nursing or some degree of that sort, there's a resource for you and no one said hello. If you're in the legal profession, if you're in criminal justice, if you're in political science, no one said hello to me. And I'm in all kinds of avenues here in our community. Absolutely. At your fingertips, you have uh, an avenue and no one connected and I was so offended but more than that I thought it was very important to take that opportunity to let them know because if you don't know then you don't know facts 
So, okay, well, let me tell you all. Teacher, right. Here you, here's a teachable moment. Mm -hmm. Here at your fingertips, you have nurse practitioners. You have this, you have that. You have people who can help you get internships and get into the, 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 the door. profession. The door. Mm -hmm. Here you have a resource. Utilize it. That recommendation letter, something. People <laughs> think that pledging is to have fun on campus. Right. Yeah, that's one. That's a very small. Zero point five percent. Small, small benefit. Because it wasn't. It wasn't built on that. It wasn't. No. And so, when you pledge, don't forget that pledging introduces you or invites you into a world of connections. Here you are with resources. Utilize it. Mm -hmm. That's a battle you don't have to fight. You know, I think that sometimes we are so accustomed to fighting mm -hmm. for every single thing that we forget to just walk through the doors that are already open for us. Mm -hmm. We don't, it's like, we don't even see those because it, it's almost like it's too easy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I don't, I don't want, I don't want nobody to say that they helped me or something yeah, like that, you know, yeah, which is yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. but it, that door is open. Right. You don't have the vices. Mm -hmm. It's open for you. Right. Say hello. Introduce Say yourself. Hello. Yeah. When Eva Diane Wilson came to me and said, "We have a soror that just got elected," I was blowing her phone up and that soror's phone up. When do you need me to show up? Where's the opportunity? Where's, I was hungry. Mm -hmm. I was hungry. That's crazy. And because I was hungry and she saw the hunger in me, she immediately latched on. And from there it was, I'm bringing you to Baton Rouge to work at the Capitol. And then after that, I'm sending you to Washington DC. And that's how I met President Obama and his wife and now President uh, Joe Biden. That's how I got the opportunity. And then after that, it was, okay, I've done that part. Now I'm gonna send you to the DA's office. Go talk to this person. She's gonna get you in. And and I go and, and, and now I have an internship at the DA's office. And from that internship, because I tell people all the time, all I need is a crack. Just crack the door open. If you crack the door open for me, I'm gonna bust it open on my own. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna kick that thing down on my own. I just need the opportunity. Right. So once she took me to the one, she opened the door for me to walk in at the DA's office. Mm -hmm. Once I graduated again, because during law school, I'm just coasting. I'm just trying to get by. Get by, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> once I graduated from law school, the district attorney himself was like, come back to Monroe and work in my office. You have a job. Now, all of my colleagues, and associates, they applied for different positions after graduating from law school. They mm -hmm. tried to figure out where they going to plug in. And here I am, just like, I already got a job right. opportunity. Lined up. Me, come right. back. Right. And there it is. So, again, it, it's just, you know. Work, that, work smarter, not harder. It, come on. <laughs> firm believer. Be it shouldn't. We've been fighting for too long. Oh, my God. Where do you get this drive from? I'm born with it. Okay. That's where we're <laughs> So, coming from a person who might not be born with it, what does that drive look like? There's a hunger inside of me, even mm -hmm. now. 
sink or swim. And I'm not sinking. I refuse to sink. Build your own boat. There it is. <laughs> there it is. I am going to make a way when there is no way. I'm going to push until I get my one yes. I'm going to push until I get where I want to be in life. Period. In addition to that, I know you had some mentors. I don't know if the young, the woman that you mentioned beforehand was your mentor. She is. Okay. She's one. Benefits of a mentor. You must have them in all aspects of life. Mm -hmm. You must have them. Um, and it's important to have a circle, not just mentors, but also a circle. And your circle is a reflection of you mm -hmm. and where you are. And so your mentor like can add advice mm -hmm. and can add guidance when you seek after them. But your circle is going to hold you accountable. Mm -hmm. Your circle is what's going to keep you pushing. And if your circle doesn't keep you pushing, then you got the wrong circle. As I spoke before, my closest friends, they're always working. They're always looking to level up. Mm -hmm. And so if... And we're all alike in our own way. We all have some commonalities, of course, because we're friends. But we're always hungry. We're always looking to, to make sure that our family's taken care of, that we enjoy life, and that we are making money. And making a difference, I'm assuming. Always, always making a difference. Yes, that's, so that's, that's the main priority, number one goal, right? Always. How do you keep up? keep track with your calendar like do you find it difficult I suck at it but okay I have I do do this I now put into my work calendar what I have going on so that my office knows to not schedule me for this schedule me for that um, and being able to do that Again, so my office kind of keeps me accountable. Um, and I set reminders consistently. But then there are times that I will miss a meeting and I'm immediately calling like, okay, now tell me what I missed. What do I need to do? Um, but I utilize my work calendar, one calendar, which is my work calendar. But it has everything in it. That one is going to make sure that I'm where I'm supposed to be. It's going to remind me ahead of time. It's going to remind me if I have a closing. It's going to tell my office not to schedule me for a closing, not to do this, not to do that, or to check with me to see if we want to plug someone else in to take care of the closing. Uh, but it just it's, it gives me a central hub of, of what I have going on. What are some other tools that would be beneficial for you to improve in that? Now it's... I think for me, if I don't schedule it, it's because I'm still on the fence about it. And it's not until that, it's not until I, things have settled for that day that I realize, okay, well, I'll go ahead and attempt this or I'll go ahead and do this because I don't have anything blocking that schedule time off. Uh, but one of the things that I could really, really improve on is moving more of my especially now that my kids are active mm -hmm. plugging them into my my schedule like practice on friday or practice on monday meeting on sunday meeting this and third that's still kind of and i guess once my son decides what he's going to do and 
these want to participate in this, that, and the third, then I'll go Shift. ahead and, yeah, then right. I'll go ahead and settle into adding that as a requirement for me to uh, prioritize. You're currently using like Google? I use Google. Google Calendar? I do. You feel like it's the best method to, to integrate I, everything? Yes, because I can plug in those um, links. If it's a Zoom link, if it's a link to another, my underwriter uses a different link, but the, the link plugs into my calendar. So mm -hmm. it's very easy for me to pull up, simply pull up my calendar and click the link and now I'm a part of the training or meeting or whatever. How do you, you know, normally keep up with like your annual reports and you know your taxes and all that? Do you? I have my uncle's manager. Okay, so you have somebody on the team. I have to mm -hmm. because I can't. Mm -hmm. I cannot keep up with it. Um, now I do. I will schedule time for me to do my reconciliations because we have to do that monthly. Okay. So I make sure that that's done. You know, you always got to take care of your money. Got to. So if I don't take care of nothing else, I'm gonna take care of that part. <laughs> got to make sure you you got an eye on that, but. <laughs> Got you, got you. Um, so, what are some challenges you find operating your team? All right. <laughs> Background noise, I'm sure. It's a matter of time, huh? It's always, you know. And that's the thing. Um, as a parent, you know, you always have to make sure that, that they are, you keep them bored first and foremost. Sometimes you can, you get so busy with other stuff that it's like, they're after home. So I have to make sure that I make them take care of, make sure, you know, we keep a hand on them, an eye on them. But um, my team, would you ask me? Uh, the question was, what do you find challenging on with operating your team or, you know, dealing with your team? Having meetings. Meetings, okay. Yes. It's kind of difficult for me. So for scheduling, as far yes. as meshing? Well, not even scheduling. Because there are times that I come in and I'm in my own zone. I know what I have to do. Mm. And so I'm ready to go in and close my door. And do what you got to do and, and get, get out. Right. And I have to make sure that I have check-ins with my staff regularly. What do we have going on? What's on the calendar? What's pending? What's closed? Have we done this? Have we done that? What are you working on? What's on your priority list? Making sure that we check in systematically, consistently, um, is a big, big thing that I find that works really, really well. And I find that, I mean, it's just like with any corporation, you have team meetings. Everybody needs to know what everyone is doing. Right. Um, to make sure that we're all on the same page. But I also find myself, I was reading, one night um, about marketing. Okay. And it, the book that I was reading made me slow down and realize, wait a minute, I need to make sure I have a checkpoint on, do you, do you understand what's going on with our business? Do you understand what happens? Because I have a checklist of, okay, when this happens, that happens to you. When this happens, that triggers this, mm -hmm. this, then that. But making sure that there's a deeper level of understanding of our process and why we do the things that we do and not just doing them. 
and making sure that they have a better understanding of what's going on and the importance of why I have them doing certain things. When people have an understanding and they can connect to the why and the what, it helps them perform better. Mm -hmm. So when I say send out this greeting email, right. it's not because I just want you to send out a greeting email. It's because it provides us with a chain, a, 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 a chain there. Mm -hmm. So if we have to go back and say, oh, well, wait a minute. You, you know, you emailed us and said the purchase price was this and the commission was that. So now I got a, a paper chain. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why you're doing that. But my staff have to understand why we're doing that because it's not until a problem arrives that a problem is there. Mm -hmm. uh, a problem is not a problem until it's a problem. And it's not a good time to be trying and to teach that. It, it, <laughs> yeah. So we don't want to wait until the problem exactly. arrives. To address the problem. Exactly. So let me go ahead and connect you to the why and the what mm -hmm. so that you understand it. That way, now, you know, you're following up with them right. about, hey, you know, we sent out this email. We haven't received a response. Can you uh, just take a moment and fill out our questionnaire or whatever the case may be? There's a reason to that. And here's the reason. I feel like everybody performs better when they understand. The reason. Absolutely. Why you're doing Yeah, something. that makes sense. A lot of good sense. Um, what tasks take up most of the time in your business or on a day-to-day -day basis or maybe a weekly basis? I don't really have, I would say mostly it is a mental thing mm -hmm. for me. Um, what do you mean by that, Jazz? Because, again, I spoke about the power of leverage. Mm. So, if I'm paying you to be teach you to do the things that were once taking up a lot of my time and so now I have tried to position myself to a place where a lot of what I do may not be computer work but it's more so people oriented relationships um, uh, yes relationship building relationships mm -hmm. answering the phone calls making phone calls to my clientele to my investors to my realtors uh, getting out into the community things of that nature, that takes up a lot of my time now. Um, there's some office work that I still have to do, but I try to make sure that my staff takes care of a lot of the paperwork things. Absolutely. So outside of my reconciliations and, you know, drafting documents here and there, I try to pass off the bulk of my, my workload, my heavy lifting to my staff. Administrative assistance. Absolutely. <laughs> That's cool. So what are some unmet needs you have? Just off a whim. <sighs> if we can make some improvements in the workflow or how we see ourselves growing as a business. Well, that's a difficult question for me because at this phase, we're maintaining. Mm, okay, so and consistency. Mm -hmm. what we already have. Gotcha. And making sure that, again, you're understanding why you're doing what you're doing. Spending time on those little things. A lot of people try to, especially as entrepreneurs, as an entrepreneur, we think as a as an owner. But we forget to take into account how it felt when you were an employee. Mm -hmm. And so okay. we delegate tasks. We're really good at delegating tasks. But taking the time to actually be an employee 
and meeting your employees where they are is really big. You can't you can't treat your employees like they're the owners because they're not. But we think as owners, and we expect our employees to think as owners, but they're not the owners. And so taking it back and making sure that you spend that time with training and we're pouring into them to be the best employee that they can be and meeting them where they are, taking time to make sure that they are uh, filling those holes is really big. Um, but now I just brought on a market person mm -hmm. and there's this conception that I've delayed this for so long because in my mind I thought it cost thousands and I met with this company and they actually scaled it down and brought it down to like length of terms and like no, you're, you know, you set the budget and you tell us what it is. And so right now, we are now starting to look into doing more marketing on Asian Tiger's side and, okay. and getting the word out more. And so I'm kind of hesitant because I know with marketing, it's going to bring more business, of course. Mm -hmm. and, or things that I'm going to have to deal with. So right now, there is not an, a need that I haven't been able to meet or a need that's there uh, that's not matched because I've already kind of dealt with that. And this is really At just making sure that you can maintain the growth. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. That's good. So then once more business comes in and more calls come in and different things, then it will be, okay, let's make sure that now we're ready to whether that brings, whether that means bringing in more people or whatever, because I know that's going to bring in a, a whole new world of things. Um, I, I'd be prepared to deal with that. Okay. I'm going to ask this question in kind of like two parts, or really I'm going to just, I'm going to distinguish what product or, or it could be a person. Because I, I think more so it might be more so for a person for you, but I could be wrong. But what product or person do you wish you had that doesn't exist already? Louisiana is moving toward remote notary online. We, we have it there, but in our world, there are certain documents that you have to have original things and there are certain requirements to meet state law that have to be met in order to be completely online. Like it's, we're moving in the direction, but if I had one wish, it would be that we could completely do closings online. And there's some companies outside of the state that do it and ship it in and it works well for them. But legally wise, there are just some things that we still haven't been able to really hit the mark on and opening up our laws to allow that for us to just be complete online closing companies which is the next level game changer. Streamlining the process. Oh my god. <laughs> because you know that's just the world we're moving in now. People want yeah. to be able to buy a house online. That's crazy. Yeah. They, they can get it funded. They can find it online. Yeah. They can go to Rocket Mortgage and, and, and calculate it. And do yeah. it online. Mm -hmm. 
But there are certain documents that bankers, if you go to a local bank and things of that nature, they still want you to come in and physically sign and being able to take the physical component out of it and make it just streamlined online all the time would just be game changing, period. Wow, I would have never thought that. Yes. I'm glad I asked that question. Yeah. To wrap up the interview, What's one thing you know now that you wish you would have known when you first began an entrepreneur, your entrepreneurial journey? Grace. Operating with grace. For yourself or just with anyone or in general? In its entirety. But definitely for yourself. Um, I, I had a few thoughts. Yesterday, I had a closing and I had a man at the closing that said he dropped out of business school because his business professor had never owned a business. Hmm. And I thought that was a really interesting the reason. reason mm. to accept it. Mm -hmm. And my response to him was, <clears throat> you're not a business owner until you're a business owner. You're not an investor until you invest. There you go. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so having grace as an entrepreneur and understanding that you're not an entrepreneur until you're an entrepreneur. So you're not going to come in this game knowing everything. You're not going to come in knowing how to hit all the targets. Having grace to fail and come back mm -hmm. is really, really big. Because you don't know until you know. And yeah, we may, you know, there are some things that we know we should have done before and we should have had lined up and we should have done this. But you can't. You just simply can't fire off on all cylinders at all times. Give yourself grace. Grace to, once again, fail and fail. succeed. Mm -hmm. the, the, the lessons, the biggest lessons come in the storm. And so... It's not until you feed in the fire that it's like, ah, <laughs> I oh, need to I know. do this, I yeah. need to try that, I need to tweak this, I, I need to do, and so having mm -hmm. grace right. to, to move forward and to fail is the biggest thing. I guess I'll ask this, what's the hardest part about being Jasmine? The hardest part about being Jasmine is there are times that I stand in the gap. I don't speak up. I don't say the things that I could say, that I probably should say, but I don't say. Um, I think that there is a delicacy that I have to have. I think there is a delicate line that I have to have because I do strive to stand in the gap. I do go to the tables and have the uncomfortable conversations um, that people don't know that I have. But because I don't advertise it, they don't know that it's being done. So there's a perception that I yield 
to one way of thinking when in reality I don't mm-hmm. I, and I don't do a good job of showcasing the things that I that I do I, I'm a work I'm a worker bee I work if there's a need I need it if there's something that's going on I speak up but I don't show what I do all the time and I think a lot of people don't really know me they know of me they know what I show on Facebook they know what I show on social media but they don't know me as an individual and so um, it gets hard it does it's hard but I have to stand firm in my beliefs I have to stand firm in what I do and I have to stand firm in who I am and there's some relationships that have Why, that's why you are who you are. That is. <laughs> I got to be true. Absolutely. I got to be true. I told someone, or someone told me this, it suggests you couldn't live in Dallas and have what you have. Hmm. And I thought about that for a minute. Okay, that's interesting. I know, it was interesting when he told me that. And I said, I said, what do you mean by that? It's like, just pause and think about what you have. And I started thinking about this. Me having a venue that when I want to deal with it, I deal with it. When I don't, my mortgage is still paid. I have a boat. When I want to be bothered with it, I'm bothered with it. When I don't, I don't. I have property. I have this. I have that. I have the best life that I can have in Monroe, Louisiana. I eat good, sleep good, drive good. I live good in Monroe. Yeah. You take me out of my room, put me in a different market, and my life doesn't look like this. It mm. look like something else, but it doesn't look like this. Um, that's, that says a lot. That does. Yeah. I enjoy where I live, mm. and I have learned to bloom where I live. I have made the connections. I have. I. I, I do what I do best right here in my room. I have no desire to. Lastly, what does do work mean to you? It's a verb. Mm. It's an action verb. That's what it means to me. It means there is a call to do what you 
are supposed to do to be who you are supposed to be and all that you can be. It means to rise to the level of not expectations of someone else, but the expectation that you have of yourself because we know what we're capable of doing. I told my son this, he came to me after he made a play and he said, mommy, how did I do? I said, did you do your best? He said, yes. I said, then that's all that matters. If you did your best in that play at that time, then that's all that matters. That is what do work means. That's the standard. doing your best at the level that you are, then that's do work. Ms. Jasmine, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. It's been my pleasure as well. Let's go have some fun at the tailgate for a little bit of time we got left. I'm ready. Yes. Oh, you already know. It ain't going nowhere. But okay, this wraps up our interview slash podcast. It's been a pleasure. I think this camera's the only one left up. Uh, With that being said, I'm gonna wrap this thing up and try to pack this up as quickly as possible. And I'm gonna continue doing work. Until next time, peace. Peace.